Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of HP1, the podcast. You know, my channel, when it first started out on the movie kind of thing, had a podcast called Blockbusted, and it was with my cousin Drew, and that kind of died out after a couple years, but I'm sort of resurrecting the idea of having a podcast this semester, and I'm hoping to interview different YouTube video essay film kind of people on a weekly-ish basis, and it's going to be fun to just have discussions that way and talk about whatever in a casual sense. Um, These are not interviews or anything sort of formal. They're just fun discussions with friends of mine, so I hope you enjoy them. The first guest that we're having on today is my buddy High Top Films. What's up? Hello. It is me, (laughs) High Top Films. It is Alex. I'm honored to be the first guest on this podcast. Perfect. That was the the perfect intro. The first and the worst. Yeah, that's true. We, We can only go up from here. Yeah, pretty much. You start at the bottom of the barrel of the Film Hub group chat. <laughs> then you reach like Kino when we get uh, Loverboy Media on. Exactly. Bailey, the smallest of our of our Film Hub network, but also somehow we all look up to him because he's he, like the best. He is the Mr. Rogers of the video <laughs> essay YouTube community. It That is probably the best description you could possibly give and it's it was, somebody gave it to him as like an insult one time right and i was yeah, like yeah i think so i think so but like he should roll thing. with it man yeah, yeah exactly yeah. i would love to be known as the mr rogers of film youtube but i'm more of the bob ross i guess uh, that's a good way to put it i like that <laughs> i like that then then who am i i'm yeah like, i'm trying uh, to think what would you be i'm like i'm like the fucking uh, the guy I'm, fieri of, of ah, the gordon ramsay of I, film youtube <laughs> I am the Gordon Ramsay of film YouTube. <laughs> I wouldn't say, but I'm not. I'm not super, super mean. Right? Exactly. That would be maybe like Mahler or Mal. What? How does he yeah, even pronounce his name? I don't name? even know, dude. Yeah. I don't know. I was on. I was on an. E- I wasn't on it, but they criticized my Far From Home video on, Oof. I guess, his podcast, and yeah. I never listened to it because I, I don't need to put myself through that. But right. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know how to pronounce his channel name. But I would say that I am. I'm trying. I had a. I had an analogy, but I forgot it. I am the. Uh, I, I'm just like the the edgy the the edgy like hot topic of film <laughs> YouTube. That's what we'll go with. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I. And, but you also like that's the thing. Like to to portray you as like Gordon Ramsay or something, is is not accurate because your channel actually is extremely sentimental and like in the feels all the time oh, so like thank you, know. you yeah that's my goal as I, I said this on a live stream it's like maybe the most pretentious thing i've said <laughs> but like they were but that's your asked, brand yeah of course someone <laughs> asked me uh, what kind of filmmaker i want to be and i said a gut punch filmmaker i want to punch you in the gut with that's emotions good. yeah so I, I guess I'm a gut punch YouTuber too, most of the time. Versus I would want to be a warm hug filmmaker, I think. Dude, and that's that's amazing. That's the best. Someone we, described my first short film, Longbox Breakup, as a nice warm hug. And I was like, oh, good. That's, dude, that's I, I, I love hope. Before we even met, I watched that. I was like, damn. And then I realized, how old were you when you made that? You were young. I was like young, young. Uh, yeah, 16 and 17 when I made yeah, that. Yeah, dude, that's exceptionally good Thank for you. 16 and 17. Uh, you've, I don't know if you've watched my short films when I was 16 or 17, but they're just pretentious, <laughs> you know, trash. Yeah. I've watched a couple. Of, I've, I was very impressed with how you shot them for sure. You know, but yeah, yeah. Like it's definitely, you can see how you've evolved even since then. I think, yeah, I, I, we, um, me and my buddy, John direct everything together and yeah. most of the time, write everything together. And I think we've, uh, realized that I, I think that we have a handle on visuals. 
Yeah. I think that we can make stuff look pretty, but that's that's our strength in a sea full of weaknesses. So right. hopefully the next short film, which uh, is coming out relatively soon, yeah, um, is not only pretty looking, but actually has something to say. Yeah. And I know for sure that it is pretty looking because I have seen parts of it. Yes, I've sent plenty it's of so shots. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When I um when I posted Robin, yeah. Which which I have like I, I love and hate it, like you said. There's yeah. very much like a love hate relationship with it. I'm proud of what we managed to do with no money. But like now I would have done it completely differently. But there was right. a comment that's like from a I think from a Snyder fanboy, and they were like Everything you critique about Zack Snyder's in this film, it's all visuals <laughs> over substance. And that that was one that got to me. I was like, yeah. damn. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, especially with student films, if it's even remotely competent or like <laughs> comprehensive, like mm. it should be praised, you know, because like, yeah. I watch some people send me films all the time and obviously I'm not going to name any names because lots of people send me like really good stuff. Like somebody just sent me a um, uh, like demo reel of theirs over my email yesterday, which by the way, I love it when people email me because that barely ever happens. Um, oh man. But somebody sent me like something to check out and I was like, okay, I'll check this out. And it was great. It was gorgeous, you know, but really? um, yeah, lots of times people do send me their short films and I'm like, Oh man, this is hard to get through. <laughs> yeah, but no, like, I feel that. At the same time, that's everybody has to go through a learning curve and everything. Um, and you know, I have to realize after making my short film, I go, you never know what the behind the scenes of of you know how how much it took to get even something that looks that good. Like my oh, yeah. like long box, you know, I. I shot that in my film class. So, like, my film teacher gave me permission, basically, to use the entire class as a crew. <laughs> so That's awesome. That's I had a great. crew of, basically, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth graders. And they... We basically had an hour to shoot once a week. And that was how we shot that film. So, we would even, shoot... Even the stuff not in the classroom? Um, That was the only stuff that we did outside the classroom. So, when we went to the comic book store and, like, mm. that montage kind of thing... um. That we took one extra day to do. And then I shot the stuff that's in my bedroom, in my actual bedroom, um, with just you a couple of members. I had okay, a couple people, a... yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, but then, you know, the other 80% of the film was just shot during class periods over a course of like four months, just doing it, you know, for an hour. And it took like 30 minutes to set up and take down stuff. So, you know, it's an hour and a half class period and then you have an hour to shoot. Um but it was, you know, it was a classic case where, like, I do feel like the limitations kind of made it better. And, you know, something like the montages that show sort of a span of time and, like, oh, look, they're in love. You know, like, if mm. I had more time and, and you know, money and everything to do stuff, obviously you would want to have more scenes establishing their relationship. But, you know, the montages kind of thing were a, a byproduct of, oh, we only have an hour to shoot this every week and we have one location, you know. Um, the montage is the way to, you know, progress exactly. a lot of story beats without yeah. having the time to actually do it. Now I feel right, that 100%. Right. Yeah. But so, I, you know, I would love to shoot something with a higher budget. And I sort of did with this new paradoxical film, which I'm still working on. Yeah, man. On. Um, when is that coming out? I've, I've been waiting. <laughs> Lord. I. So I'm trying to remember when we shot it at this point. It was, it was spring 2018 was when we shot Paradoxical and then finished it up a little bit in fall 2018. Um, 
but now, yeah, now that I'm doing YouTube full-time this semester, I am hoping to take maybe the month of October or November and finish it up. Um, it's really just a matter of, like, there are certain things that were never shot that I need now kind of just need to work around. And oh, okay. So you have to go do a deep edit into it to exactly. make it work. I yeah. Gotcha. And sound design. Like, that's the big thing. Is there's, oh, dude. It's a I'm, sci-fi kind of thing, and there's a lot of weird stuff that I haven't even figured out how I'm going to, like, do it in a soundscape kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just need to still figure all that out. Like, it's just taking a while. So dude, I, I'm currently trying to sound mix Scarecrow, the short yeah. film, uh, yeah. all by myself. Um, and the best help that I've had is from this website, which, uh, I know I, I, this may be frowned upon by filmmakers. I'm not sure, but it's, it's like, you've heard of it. It's freesound.com and yeah, it has it's good. like, it's yeah. dude, it's wonderful. And you oh, can right. it's people who like record their own stuff and then they upload it for, yeah, for free. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. It, it, it just mixing a bunch of sounds to create like a scary sound has been right. so fun and yeah. it, it just works out so well. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess, you know, I I definitely want to finish this paradoxical film just cuz I want to be able to say that I finished things. Um Oh yeah, yeah. That's but at the, the same time, thing. it's it is one of those things where it's gone on so long that you look at it now and it's like, "Oh, how do I get back into this?" you know, cuz it's Oh yeah. It's sat for so long that I need to get myself back energized about it, and especially now that I'm trying to do consistent content on YouTube, it can be so hard to go out of that and then get into this kind of deep dive of, of a short film. Um, what is consistent content? I really would not know. <laughs> I know. I, it's not even going to be consistent. It's going to be moderately expected. What <laughs> What are you know. aiming for? How many videos a month? Um, I think I'm aiming for two videos a month. I'm That's a good one. hoping to do, take a, a week to write a script and then a week to make the video and alternate mm-hmm. that. So, you know, script, video, script, video. And just do that for the next five months or whatever. Um, yeah, man. So I'm hoping that's going to work out. It has so far. The Kung Fu Panda video would have come out about two weeks ago, but there was a lot of personal stuff that kind of came up. Um, yeah, no, I understand. So, I, you know. The the Titans video that I just uploaded today was finished. Like, yeah. I think it was finished on Monday, man, or Tuesday of last week. And I just had to wait for sponsors to get right. back to me and approve it. So, yeah. yeah. And it sucks not being able to upload something once you're finished with it. What's your – tell me about all the sponsor stuff because I am not familiar with it at all. I, I feel like, bizarrely, when I was doing Lego videos back, you know, five years ago or whatever, like, I got more sponsor offers back then. Maybe because my content was a lot more consistent, potentially. I think – But, uh, you know – I, I know. Well, I have these wonderful agents at LFI Talent. Yeah. That that are um you know they're YouTube agents. I think they're they're great guys. So they get me the sponsorships now. They like pitch me to different companies. No, oh, nice. Um, but I and then I sometimes get emails that are like, hey, will you sponsor this? And then they go through them and then we negotiate. But yeah, um, I think they just look for. I know this is like super shallow and sad. They just they just look for big numbers, like consistently right. no, yeah. large numbers. Um, I never got sponsorship offers until I started to get at least like 150k views on everything. Eventually, like not immediately, yeah. yeah. But like over time, if videos got to like 150k, that's when I started to get offers for stuff. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I, I enjoy working with sponsors. I mean, there's especially sponsors like Skillshare or these services that I actually, you know, think are great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they're cool. Yeah, cool. I definitely, you know, I kind of wait for the time. Like, uh, there's certain videos that I've uploaded that, especially like that Breath of the Wild video, which only has like 4K views or whatever. Dude, like, that was a masterpiece. Oh, That's thanks, a shame man. that it only got 4K. Yeah, it's... But I have to look at that as, like, I hope that one day it will take off. Maybe once my channel gets bigger, then people will go back and check that out, you know? And yeah, man. I do have to treat videos like that. And even, like, I don't know how well this Kung Fu Panda video is going to do, but, you know, I have to treat kind of the videos I make as you're adding to your library and, like, eventually people are going to look at your channel, go to the videos tab and be like, oh, wow, he has all these great videos. I want to binge them all kind of thing, you know? Yeah, that's that's the hope, man. I Versus like, that- like right now, I feel like if you scroll back through my videos, it doesn't take you more than a second to get to stuff that I'm not even that proud of. You know? Anymore, yeah. Right, like versus well, some channels I, I scroll through and I go, you've just got like, I can scroll and scroll and scroll and your content is great and consistent for months and months and months, you know? I know, I know. Uh, who... who- um, I feel like Ralph the movie maker kind of blew up like that and all his other videos yeah, got, that's true. got a lot of views after the fact. Right. I've been and subscribed he, to him since he had like 10K subscribers. Really? Yeah. So you watched the explosion happen. I did. It was pretty crazy. And what what video did it? Was it was it uh I feel like was it BVS? Uh yeah, probably. That was when his channel became more like meme centric i guess like when he would have these like 30 minute skits at the end right exactly and i loved that i loved you know it was one of the first youtubers i watched who put so much work into his his sketches and everything and felt like it's this crazy ridiculous ironic stuff but yet it feels freaking cinematic like i couldn't believe it you know Um, know, he's he was a major influence on yeah when i when i started just because he brought like him and patrick willems of course yeah yeah uh, because they bring like film to the film essay yeah they, exactly. they bring their own sense of style and, and that's, even that's, bobby burns back when he was trying to do videos dude I, I, yeah. yeah i'm with you man i used to like love his older content yeah rip rip bobby wherever I know, he right? may be i followed him back when he did lego videos so that was again when he was like 10k subs um and I watched his channel go through that sort of Stuckman-ish review phase, and then he sort of evolved past that into doing videos that felt cinematic and embraced that filmmaking, which I was so inspired by. Um, and then I watched it devolve <laughs> into whatever it is now, you know. He doesn't even upload anymore. Yeah, it's sad. It it really does. Like, I, I it hurts to even make fun of his channel because it just makes me sad after watching yeah, no how great he was you know it's just weird he tried to i feel like it's just because of that shane dawson yeah when when he met when he met shane dawson he tried to do shane dawson style videos and i think he would still be successful if he just kept doing what he was doing and didn't give in to that pressure yeah um last time i saw him he was doing like weed reviews on instagram (laughs) yeah like i it really is obviously like you you totally understand why he would want to take an offer like that like hey come move to la like we'll give you money and your content will be great now you know and you'll a have, jeep you'll have a total audience right but and I, at first i don't i didn't feel like he was selling out like i was happy for him at first yeah. you know but then 
it went more and more. He just lost all of his personality and all of the voice that he had maintained, you know. So it was it was sad. But I know. Yeah. And, and even you, you know, I watched your content from when uh, I guess the first video of yours I saw was the Guardians one. Um, the first Guardians one. Yeah. Which you that sent was... me, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I did too. Yeah, and I had. Let me try and. I don't. How many? Do you remember how many subs I had back then? I feel like it was like eight k or, or like twenty k or something like that that's, in that range. That's ridiculous, man. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like you, that, you yeah. were smaller than me when you sent me your content for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> so it was crazy. Know. I'm just, I'm just lucky. Yeah, I'm really for sure. just lucky. That's no, I'm that's happy for you is. for sure. Like it. Thanks, man. It really is you've put out some really remarkably consistent and personality driven content, you know, and yeah, that's, I that's, remember that's being super impressed by that guardians video, even in your first stages and everything where it felt, I think that was around the time of the James Gunn controversy and everything. And so it was a much needed, like, Hey, appreciate this kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I, I just remember being struck by how, um, how personal and how emotionally driven it was. Like, even me and Taylor J. Williams, who is another great YouTuber, um, who doesn't get enough appreciation. Um, Definitely does not get enough cred. Me and him did a video back when he had about 30K subs. Um, and it was a discussion about video essays, about like the video essay landscape. And that was, I think, summer 2018. Um, so about a year and a half ago. Um, and at that time, we were talking about, we were like, what we really want to see more of in the YouTube landscape is video essayists who emphasize the more like personal feelings based approach to their videos rather than trying to be like nerd writer kind of objective, like analytical, yeah. like there's a place for that obviously. But like if you, if you want the, the brand to be consistent or if, if you want the video essay genre to be something that doesn't become um, like a, <sighs> you know, like a, a, a mass without any personality or distinctness to each channel, um, then people have to emphasize their own unique personalities because that's what will differentiate each channel from the next, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so it was crazy to see how since that summer, about a year and a half ago, I feel like personal kind of subjective-based video essays have grown a lot. And they haven't become like totally, you know, annoying in their, uh, you know, like there's not, an overload of them, but Not I feel yet. like it's, yeah, exactly. But I feel like people like you and people like me and people like, you know, Bailey, and it's been great to watch that, um, that niche within the video essay niche kind of grow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, do you, do you say niche? <laughs> I, I keep going back and forth. I have between said that niche word. And niche. Yeah. I've said that word in my video essays in different ways between each video. <laughs> Really, really, and I, th I, people have commented on that. Yeah. It, do you know which one's correct? Because I don't. I, I googled I it one time to be like, which one is correct, and it was essentially like tomato, tomato. So. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, I've never actually heard someone say tomato. Yeah, exactly. Just British so, people. Yeah. I'm. I'm yeah. I, I, that's so off topic. I, just, I was like niche, huh? Am I saying niche wrong this whole time? For a In second, I was. One of my biggest videos, the Star Wars Last Jedi video from December. Um, mm. I said, I pronounced awry as awry. I said plans gone awry. And the, oh, the real pronunciation did, is awry. Did you get a lot of shit I got for that. so many comments for that. Oh, dude, and then I my own that. mother watched the video like six months later and she was like, honey, how, 
why didn't you know that it was awry? And I'm oh, like, dude, this is the bottom dad, of the barrel. <laughs> my dad does that with every video I do. So in the Titans one, I say disingenuous, right? Right. Uh, originally, I said ingenuine, and <laughs> I had exported the video and uploaded it. And he texted me saying, oh, you can't put that in. Ingenuine's not a word. So then I had to go back and I was like, okay, dad, just for you, I'll go back and change it. Yeah. I, there are certain times where like you, you got, you wonder to yourself, is this worth it? Like, is this worth going back and changing? Cause like, um, literally right after I hit publish on the Kung Fu Panda video yesterday, I mm-hmm. skimmed through it and I had skimmed through it many, many times. And I realized that I spelled preconceived slightly wrong because preconceived is uh, C-O-N-E-I, whatever. I, okay, I put yeah. I-E. <laughs> oh, did you didn't you didn't go back and change it? I did no. not go back and change that. Thank no. God. Yeah, it's not. Did you get any comments? About I have it not yet? gotten any comments yet, but maybe after oh. this podcast. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I hate those types of comments because it's like, OK disregard the entire you know right, amount exactly. of work and effort that we put into this video because we you know mispronounced a word or spelled something wrong yeah we're hacks we know nothing we're just dumb right and you know you'll see big youtubers like Lindsay ellis and whoever else and they'll have like freeze frames in their video or like you know or, or flash flames in their video or whatever or like little tiny errors and nobody cares like because you see that the big the overall product of the video is something extremely of quality. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I never care about any of that stuff. I'm also yeah. just really dumb when it comes to, you know, spelling and words. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, for so, me, it hurts even more because I consider myself to be a very good speller most of the time. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for you, when you mess up, it's like, oh, damn, you're beating right. yourself up over exactly. it. I got that. Yeah. <laughs> I beat myself up about tiny little errors all the time. Like in my Harry Potter video, there's a thing where, Another masterpiece uh, of a video. Thanks. I I talk about Richard Harris, but I show footage of Richard Griffiths. And then when I show, I talk about Richard Griffiths, I show footage of Richard Harris. So it's like, oh god. That that's an easy mistake to just do. And yeah, I I would I would do the exact same thing. So now you're yeah you you can't watch it without thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And even um, there's there's things that only I will ever notice. Like nobody's gonna notice it, but. One of the things was in my Kung Fu Panda video, I have the uh, black bars kind of aspect ratio over most of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to be more intentional with aspect ratio recently um, where not the whole video doesn't have black bars because I don't want to like crop Studio Ghibli footage because it looks gorgeous when it's not cropped. Um, But what I will do is... I'll try to seamlessly transition between the black bars. Um, so make them make them like lift up. Yeah, I'll make them lift up or I'll do like a flash to white kind of transition. Um, mm. And I feel like that just makes it go more smoothly. Um, yeah, but it's sexy, man. So one of the things was I have this VHS, you know, kind of um, noise kind of footage that I show when it's just a black screen. So mm. instead of having like a plain black screen, it's like the VHS noise going on. And you don't notice when you're editing on a tiny Premiere Pro window, but in one of the things, the aspect ratio bars are still over the VHS footage versus in all the other cuts to VHS footage, they're not. <laughs> so it's, that that definitely drives you nuts. That drives me insane. And not a single person will ever notice that. You could probably skim through the video and not even find it, but I will yeah. always notice that. <laughs> yeah, dude. I uh, 
that's I think that's just every creator feels right. that way about their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I try to, you know, it's a thing where, you know, after every video I make, I make a list of things to learn from that video. Um, of like little tidbits of like, this thing worked, this thing didn't work, this thing worked, this thing needs to be improved upon. Um That's a great idea. Yeah. And so I, I definitely wanna I have to make myself realize that if you're noticing things that you're not proud of in content that you made, you know, even recently, it means that you've grown and you've, you know, you have improved past that in such a short span of time, um, which is a good thing to learn from the things that you're making mistakes in. So, yeah, you know, but it does hurt me because I go like, you know, you see channels like, I don't even know, an exa- like movies with Mikey or like all these other channels who they've had consistently great content for years at this point. And mm. you can scroll through their content and it's like six months ago or, you know, even three years ago, their content is just as good and kind of in line with their content now. Um, and not in like a bad way, like not like they haven't evolved or changed, but just in a way that like it all feels cohesive versus my content. You go back and look at even like that Harry Potter video, which is one of my videos I'm most proud of. But even that was only about almost two years ago, um, maybe a year and a half ago. And I used different fonts back then. I used a different microphone back then. The footage is not 4K like it is now. And so, you know, for so me, not. yeah, it, it doesn't feel in line with my current brand or current Dude, bar of quality, right? Don't, yeah, don't feel bad. Yeah. My, my uh, Natalie, my girlfriend was the narrator of like my first five videos. Oh, I remember was, that. I think I, yeah. yeah. And that was only two years ago, I think now. Yeah. So yeah, don't even, don't even stress about that, about the change of font. Yeah, exactly. You're fine. I had a different fucking voice two years ago. <laughs> no, yeah. And I mean, that is the crazy thing is with me. I've been on YouTube since I was freaking 11 years old. And so- uh, you can go back and scroll through and literally watch my voice get deeper as it goes. You can watch you go through puberty. Exactly. The entire time. You can. It's insane. But um, yeah, I may and do I that definitely... one day just to just so I can uh, you know, send <laughs> send some uh, clips to the Film Hub GM. And just I like, will Whoa. watch old videos of mine and be like, "Did you own a hairbrush, Houston? Did you use <laughs> a hairbrush? Like, what what was going on? <laughs> what was I thinking? I know that's." That's like my deepest fear is to to do things that I'm proud of at the time and then look and then back later and be like, later. oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know? I feel like. But that's everyone. I, like, yeah, that's definitely. I, I mean, I'm already, uh, I wouldn't say I'm already embarrassed of it, but there are things in like Raimi part one, which came yeah. out like two months ago. Yeah. That I'm like, okay, I should have done that differently. That's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. But I mean. I'm not going to lose sleep over it because, yeah. like you said, I think everyone feels those things. Right. Yeah, one of the things I'm trying to kind of evolve with with my videos is I've been trying to use more um, title cards recently to to put text on the screen as well as my voiceover and the visuals um, just so that there's I, – I think it adds sort of a three-dimensional level to the to the video where you're hearing me say something – and then you're also seeing the footage that I'm showing while I say that. And then other times I can add text over that that adds another layer to what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it hits the point home. Yeah. And sometimes I just put text of what I'm saying on the screen. Like the, you know, like in my other video I said, um, or in the Kung Fu Panda video I say, 
the line, we all need people like that. And I put the words, we all need people like that on the screen. Um, but other parts of the video, I, I'll be saying something and then the text that I put up sort of summarizes what I'm saying in a shorter way. Um, and I kind of want to do that more in the future, I think, because it, it adds a, it almost rewards the viewer for paying attention because it gives them a little bit more information than they would have had if they were just listening to the video, you know? Um, That's a big fear of mine too. Yeah. I'm always worried about how many uh, people are actually watching and how many people just have it on in the background. Yeah, yeah. Which, I'm I mean... I'm not going to lie, like, I, I play videos in the background Oh, I do too, too. all yeah. the time. Yeah, and I definitely think that's a, that's a big thing that we as video essayists and just YouTubers in general have to realize is that the... YouTube algorithm now favors long-form content. Like, yeah, you can put up long videos and they'll get views. Like, it's not like the early days of YouTube where it was, like, the shorter the better. Um, now it's good to have long-form content because people will watch long-form content, but they'll watch long-form long content while they multitask, you know? Like, they're of not course, yeah. giving their full attention to it. And that's fine, but it's something that you have to be aware of, right? Like, I... um yeah, just like I, you know, I listen to audiobooks in the car all the time, and that's another level of, you know, I don't have time to sit down and read a book and give my full attention to it, What's but I do have time. A book? To, <laughs> yeah, who reads anymore, man? But like sponsored by Audible, I have <laughs> listened to like forty audiobooks in the past year, and it's great, you know, because that's, awesome, that's what multitasking can can do. Um, and so I definitely think like audio is the way that that YouTube and podcasts and everything are going. I mean, what we're doing right now is literally that. Um, Thank God we don't have visuals on. Otherwise, yeah, I, yeah we'd both right. look disheveled and broken. <laughs> Stuff that people can put on while they're eating lunch or while they're driving or while they're, you know. Um, I hope that people don't watch my videos while they're driving, but <laughs> maybe while they're eating lunch. Um, it's your fault someone gets into a car accident. Exactly, that would you suck. Get, you get sued for, you know, $40 million. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I, I mean, even dating back to like Ralph's videos and like Red Letter Media, like I'll put on their half in the bag episodes all the time while I'm doing other things. And I think I've just had to be aware of that in my own content. Like, is this something that people can just put on and is that okay? You know? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a I've tough been, balance. I've been putting a lot more, especially in the, the Raimi videos. If you've noticed, I put a lot more clips from the movie in them to like yeah to just elicit the emotion of what i'm talking about i'll just play the scene and do some like edits around it for you know that gut punch i'm talking about right and i feel yeah. like that that forces the viewer to click back to the video because then if all of a sudden it cuts from oh spider-man 2 is amazing my voice to like toby mcguire talking you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah i feel like that that's a you know a, a, a reason for them to click back to actually watching it yeah i I do want to use more of that in the future. That is one thing. I don't show many clips from movies in my videos. I do show a lot of footage that sort of demonstrates my points, but I guess I guess I've grown a little bit wary of it in recent memory just cuz I don't want to have to deal with copyright stuff and not oh, playing audio the from the movie like is solves a lot of your problems if you're just showing footage, you know. Um which is good. But yeah, Trust like in the Country yeah. Panda video I did it a couple times at least. Um, I had to I had to re-upload Raimi part two, I think, honest to God, about 40 times. Yeah. Before it cleared on copyright. And the way the reason I got it to clear was I upped the freaking saturation 
by two more, like two percentage points more. Yeah. And then it cleared and I just wanted to die. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm retiring. I hate this. I'm done. How many times do you, do you get many claims on your content after it's been uploaded? Like, you know, after it's no. gotten popular and stuff? No. No, I'm lucky enough to not. Yeah. If I don't get a claim right away or within the first day, I don't usually get claims. Yeah. Unless it's WB for some reason. <laughs> that is how it is. Yep. Yeah, with you too. Yeah. Yeah, I got du- seven claims on my Harry Potter video about two weeks ago. Um, Did you dispute it? I disputed all seven and they released all seven. So that was yeah, great. They they usually release them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm the same way. I, I don't get many things after the fact, but I always worry about that. I'm like, but what if YouTube changes their, you know, what if they change their algorithm or change their search kind of thing? And then all of a sudden all my videos are claimed, <laughs> you know, like that could happen, but that's yeah, it's just true. something you have to deal it with. It happen I guess. to all of us. Right. Yeah. You being a YouTuber is hard, man. I feel like a lot of people, we could, we could go into that real quick. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people think what we do is super easy. It's just like us sitting around talking about movies and yeah, that's true. It is like a much I always say that I've never really worked a day in my fucking life. No, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I never really worked a day in my freaking life <laughs> because I, I've never had to do something that wasn't film based. Like yeah. I worked at a film company for years before I did YouTube and now I'm doing YouTube. So I've never done manual labor or like worked at a gas station. And I'm sure that's way, way, way harder. No, yeah. I could never freaking work on a construction site or something like yeah, people I, who do that every day work. <laughs> a million times harder than I ever will. And that's, that's <laughs> yeah. But I, I would say that we do work harder than I think a lot of people think YouTubers. Yeah. It's not as easy as record upload, which I feel like is the idea right? that most people have. Um, no, yeah. And it's, there's no, <laughs> I, I've been trying to treat it like a, you know, so for, the, for this semester I'm doing YouTube full time and I'm trying to treat it kind of like a job where, I wake up in the morning, I do stuff in the morning for a few hours or whatever, or like for an hour, have breakfast and do whatever, and then I start at like 10 a.m., and then I hopefully finish around 5 or 5 p.m., and then I can have the rest of the night to do whatever I want. That's the goal, but that, that has not happens, happened yet. Right? I yeah. do get started on time, but then I end up wait, working until the wee hours in the morning almost every day, like just because... That's how it goes, you know, especially with ADHD like I have. Like you, you can't gotta, not, right? I get that, dude. I I wish that I even had the ambition to have a schedule like you have. <laughs> I've been doing YouTube, I guess, full time since I graduated high school and got, you know, let go, not fired, but they they I aged out of that film company. Yeah. Um so I've been doing that since I was 18. I'm 20, so 2 years. And I have never had a schedule or tried to have a schedule. I just didn't like, I'm going to do this today. And then I either don't do it or I do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I, it's, I just have to f- hyper-focus on stuff and get it done. You know, so you'll have certain days where I get literally nothing done. And then all of a sudden the switch hits and I spend the next three days doing literally nothing but working on the video and grind it out and then it's over like you know yeah so i yeah i love that grind man when you just like sit in your room getting sweaty stinky you know, know eating eating nothing and then just you bust out the you know 10 minute masterpiece of a video then you watch it the next day and you're like oh this is awful <laughs> i know it's and i feel like everyone goes through that like while you're editing the video you're like oh this is crap and then 
upon exporting the video, you're like, oh, this is great, actually. And then you upload it, and you're like, oh, it's crap again. And yeah. then you wait about two weeks, and you're like, okay, it was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, for me, I feel like I, I write the script, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the best thing I've ever written on YouTube, at least. Yeah. And then I do the voiceover, and I'm like, this is absolutely the worst video I'll ever make. I'm a hack fraud. I need to go retire. <laughs> and then I'll start editing and go into the video edit mindset thinking it's awful and I have to make up for it with having like a right. good edit. Yeah. And then I would say about the halfway mark of editing the video, I'll watch it and get a sense of whether or not I like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would almost be the opposite in a sense. I think when I, when I write the script, I go, I don't know, this is going to be good. And then I record my <laughs> voiceover and I go, Oh yeah, this is coming together. And then yeah, in in the editing, it's where it's kind of in limbo for a while until it eventually kind of works. Um, the edit limbo. Yeah, and even like not having music on something for a while changes your entire perception on it. Like I, I, I my different projects have kind of um, varied in terms of how much I worry about the music. Like certain videos, I've planned out the music ahead of time, and other ones I sort of just figure it out as I go, and then. Mm-hmm. Certain ones I end up just having to slap certain things on later. Um, I'm I'm trying to kind of minimize that. Like with the Kung Fu Panda video, I planned probably about 50% of the music in it. Um, and the other stuff I just had to figure out as I went. But like when you're editing without music or when you're not sure what the music is going to be yet, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> this is not good. Do you and then ever you put edit- music on and it's like, oh, yeah. Do you ever edit to the music? Sometimes, yeah. Like... When I know I, what it's going to be, for sure. Um, certain, I feel like there's different almost scenes in my videos that I worry more and less about. Like certain mm-hmm. as, certain scenes within my videos are, are more just like talking about the movie and here's some background music. And then other scenes are more like, all right, now we're getting like into the actual meat of this and like the emotional kind of stuff. And that's where I really do want to hit the actual musical beats and everything and gotcha. edit to the music kind of thing. Yeah. With me, I just, like I said about five times on this thing so far, <laughs> everything I do in the edit is just I, so that I can watch it and be like, okay, if, if I didn't make this, would this make me feel some kind of way? Yeah. And then if it's a yes, then I did a good job. And if it's like, no, this is like the same old video essay BS. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, I need to rethink how to get this to emotionally, you know, hit you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a that's, good, that is a good way of putting it, of, of wanting to make something that you would like if you hadn't made it. Like I, um, that's definitely something that I struggle with even watching other people's videos where, um, I think it's CS Lewis said this quote, he said, um, what is it the the right i'm gonna paraphrase but it was like the right um the proper way for a man's heart to be is for him to have if he's like an architect who builds cathedrals that he can look at this beautiful beautiful cathedral that he built if someone else had built it and be just as glad that it exists as if he had built it himself you know yeah that's yeah that's that's my goal that was my goal with starting the youtube channel too is like hey you know what i don't see a video essay yeah that's like what i would want to see necessarily or like what i would want to bring to it yeah and that's that's always in everything i make it's like i don't know because it's weird because it's like do we make stuff for an audience yes 
but I feel like with at least with my content, I mostly make it for myself deep down. Of yeah. course, I wanted to hit people and reach people. But like I want to see a damn Spider-Man 2 video <laughs> yeah. where, where someone praises it for 45 minutes saying the way I feel about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's been my thing is uh, punching you in the gut emotionally and then just being a complete narcissist and only making content that I would watch. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like I have elements of that and then I also struggle with other elements of like, you know, like, you know, I mean, the biggest example is when Cosmo put up put up that Kung Fu Panda video like a week before mine went up. And obviously, you know, absolutely no ill will towards him at all. I watched yeah, his yeah. video. It was great. Like, for real. Dude, like, I really I, liked it, you know. Um, But, like, having that up there, it's like, ugh, like, I lost my energy to make the video for a couple days. Like, what am I going to yeah, do? You know, yeah. like. Well, I um, felt. I mean, I, we we are both uh, beaten by Cosmos here. Right. Cosmo Nuts <laughs> Raimi video, you know, it's the giant right. six million views about the Raimi trilogy. And I'm saying the polar opposite thing is him. Yeah. So I feel that. Yeah. And I, even, I think I, yeah, like it, when you're saying the opposite thing, I feel like there's a value to that. But my biggest worry before I watched his video was like, oh, no, what if he's literally saying all the same, same. things that I was going to say? Yeah, dude. You know, which well, luckily I think our videos are pretty different. Um, they they are. They are for but sure. But yeah, I, like that was the fear for so long. I, I, I watched his video and I don't know if he watches my stuff. Yeah. But I, I was just laughing at all the similarities between like the thumbnail is the close up of the face. Yep. <laughs> and it's called like the perfect trilogy. And like my Raimi series is called Perfect Origin, Perfect Superhero uh, Movie. Yeah. And then, and that was, was like, the crazy I, I thing was literally his title was almost the exact same title I was going to do. And his thumbnail oh, was almost yeah. the exact same thumbnail I was going to do. Yeah. And I was like, and I, I was watching it and I was like, I wonder if he watched my videos. I'm serious. I wonder if uh, that had anything to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. But, Which is, you know, it's fine to take inspiration for sure. And, oh, yeah. I always wonder that, though. I guess that's just yeah. because I'm a narcissist. I'm like, huh, <laughs> is this like, is this just a coincidence or like, and I, I'm like, I love when I see people, you know, do kind of the same thing like talk about the things they love in the way that I talk about the things that I love and yeah like, you know and I, I love seeing that but it's always a question of like oh it was this what did I inspire someone or am I just reaching here right yeah yeah I mean I've definitely been inspired by some of your content for sure just recently like when I was making this Kung Fu Panda video I went back and watched your Spider-Man 2 video just for some inspiration and oh thanks man in my Breath of the Wild video lots of the video consisted of just Ken Burns effects on photos because mm -hmm. there wasn't footage of certain things. And so I had to use just still images. And so what I did with that was I added all these like um, light leaks and stuff like that to add a little bit more motion to it um, so that it would have some more dimensionality. Um, but what I did with this uh, Kung Fu Panda video was I added some grain just to the picture so that it looked a little bit more like it was footage and not like a still image. Um, you know that I love that film grain. <laughs> Blasted up to 100 on every shot. Right. I, I did... I was re-watching my video on my phone to see what it would look like, and you can't see the grain on the phone. You can only see it when you watch it in 4K on a computer. Um, yeah, it's like it... it, it you have to you have to really go above and beyond with the yeah. level of grain yeah. to make it show up on like phones. Right. Yeah, that's that's another thing I worry about is how people are 
I mean, that sort of plays into like the people multitasking while they watch your video thing, but like where and when they're watching your video, right? Like I, I, everyone watches our videos while they're taking a poop. I know. And like with low volume, so they can't hear the audio or so they can't hear the music behind it as well. Like I realized that when I watch my video, like I'll, I'll turn down the phone volume to see how low it is before like the music, you can't hear the music behind it. And I'll be like, oh crap, like if they're not listening to this at full blast, like they're not hearing the music or something like that. Yeah, or like, I feel that. You know, uh, if you watch it on a TV, video. then certain things, certain images look more pixelated than they would if you watch it on your computer and stuff like that. Like it's, uh, I was watching, I was watching Mikey's uh, Pacific Rim video. Yeah. And I died when I realized that I think it's in 5.1 because I have like surround sound speakers. Mm. in one of the rooms of my house and i was like jesus christ it, like i have never even thought about doing a that 5. is insane 1. yeah i ah oh man i i could never take the time to you know mix a youtube video like Correct. that knowing that most people will watch it while on their phone and not even truly pay attention to it yeah but i feel like that's just it's it's part it's like the unlucky element of uploading content to youtube cuz at least with netflix you can assume that a good bit of people watch it on a tv right yeah or like a movie in a movie theater or you know on a blu-ray player with youtube you have to assume it's on an iphone tiny screen yeah well and that's even something that i get self-conscious of with with short film stuff like longbox breakup you watch it on a computer it looks great i think the cinematography looks great but if you ever watch that in a theater, and I've watched it in like a home theater before, mm-hmm. it does not look good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's shot in like 1080p or whatever, you know, and so it, it's not something that looks gorgeous when it's blown up huge. But that's, well, that, you know. I'm ter- dude, I, I'm feeling that right now. I'm terrified because we're going to try and get Scarecrow into like film festivals. Yeah. And I'm going to try my best to find a way to watch it on a movie screen before <laughs> I submit it anywhere because I don't want to show up and just be like dead. Just be like cringing at it the whole time. Yeah. When I have time, I usually try to watch my videos on my TV before I upload them. Um, mm-hmm. Same. But uh, the past couple ones, I just haven't had. That's the other thing is it sucks when, you know you end up rushing something out. And I don't feel like me rushing out the Kung Fu Panda video hurt the quality at all. Like, when I exported it, I was proud of it. But it was a thing where if I'd had a little bit more time to, you know, watch it while it was on YouTube, I might have gone back and, like, changed the spelling of preconceived. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, so, I get that, man. You know. But, yeah. Like, it's... I really enjoy what we do. And I'm I've been really... I don't know. I've just had the creative juices flow in the past couple months and just really been excited to get back I, that, into things. You know? That is the hardest part. I would my voice just cracked. Did you hear that? <laughs> uh, that is the hardest part. I would say the creative yeah. juices, getting them to flow properly. Right. That's why I, I don't think I could ever make more than what you're doing, which is two videos a month because I feel like I just burn out. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, even making like the Raimi Spider-Man part one and two, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm, a hundred percent looking forward to editing another hour long video about yeah. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movie. Like, of course I love those movies, you know, no shit, but, um, wait, just, you, you love the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Really? I, I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah. Neither did I. Um, but just thinking, I have like dread thinking about editing more Spider-Man content for that long. And it's yeah. not because I don't love it. It's just because I have done this now for, you know, probably a, like a whole, like 72 hours just writing each of these videos plus the like 400 hours it takes to edit. Yeah. 
So if I ever have to edit another image of Spider-Man again after this, I'm going to die. Dude, yeah. How do you, like, I know I get so sick of just skimming through footage and trying to find a shot that fits what I'm talking about, you know? And Mm -hmm. so what I've done recently is tried to organize footage more and and create um, ways to to organize the stuff that I know I want to be in the video. Um, So what I did for the Kung Fu Panda video was I created a separate timeline where I just had all like the the architecture shots and all of the character shots and all of the, you know, the meat, the meaty shots. Yeah, exactly. And all the long shots and stuff that, you know, and and the shots that have certain colors in them and whatever. And that definitely made it a lot easier. And I spent less time just scrolling through footage to find something. Um, and then even with this dark crystal video, which is the next thing I'm doing, um, like (laughs) it's insane. It's 10 hours of, of TV footage, like how the heck am I going to scroll through all of that to get what I need? Um, so what I am doing is organizing, I'm, I've got a folder with sub clips of like four of the characters in, in different bins. So I have the main characters in different, um, bins to find footage of them. And then I've got a bin of like nature shots and a bin of creatures and a bin of exterior shots and stuff like that. You know, That's, so I may steal that someday. <laughs> Dude, what, no, yeah. what I what I do, I feel like Bailey was shocked to learn this because I, I I like gave him a rundown of my process because he was like, oh my god, Batman does not kill. Back mm. when he like shilled Batman does not kill, and I think most people would be surprised that I am the most. I don't even know if it's surprising knowing my personality, but I am the most like improv-y editor. Yeah, uh, that I know where I just. I, most of the time when I do a video, I have seen that movie a billion gazillion times. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or like when I did Titans, the, the most recent video, I watched that episode three times before I did the edit. Right. And yeah. so like I just have like I know where in the episode the shots I want are. So I don't even organize it. I'm just like, OK, I know that the shot of Dick Grayson looking like an emo you know, jerk right. yeah. is like around 40 minutes in. And then I just like quickly go and throw it in. And if that works, it works. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very like improv heavy in the whole video process. Well, and that was the good thing about like this Kung Fu Panda video is I've seen these, I've seen these movies so many times at this point that, so that you, I would listen to a line and be like, I know the shot for this. Like I have seen these movies so many times. I know exactly yeah. what shot I need to use. Um, But yeah, like with the dark crystal thing, I've watched the season basically one and a half times so like i don't know each episode by heart so i definitely definitely need to organize footage that way um but yeah like i um yeah i don't know it it the thing that i am wary of when i'm writing scripts now is i feel like i've written a lot of scripts where i just wrote the script and i was proud of it but i didn't know what i was going to be showing you know for what i was talking about until i got into the editing bay and yeah. now I have to factor that in whenever I write and be like, what am I showing here while I'm talking? Like, Because, you know, it sucks to have to, it's like, what find do I show? It. And then you're just looking around trying to find something to put, you know? Yeah, I, I get that. I um I usually write down, uh, do you know like the segment in, like the segments in Raimi 2? I keep mentioning Raimi 2, but that's like <laughs> my go-to video now yeah, to yeah. talk about. Where like um, it would show a clip from the movie and it's edited with, uh, you know, other clips from the movie into one thing. Like when Doc Ock, I won't, I will not die a monster. Yeah. yeah. That bit. Or like, isn't it about time somebody saved your life at the end? Yeah. Usually, I usually make those little montage things before I even finish writing the video. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then I base 
the footage around that moment, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Which is like, it, it helps, like you were saying, it helps save me from the, what are the, what the freak do I show here? Do you worry at all about, um, like showing clips, like repeating the same clips, showing them over again or something um, like that? It depends, honestly. Like if I'm doing a video, like I'm going to do Joker, a Joker review probably. Yeah. And if it's like a movie review where there's only certain amount of footage, I don't worry at all. No, yeah. Especially yeah, when there's like, only trailers. Yeah. But like I think I use the same shot in, uh, I think in, in Raimi 2, I use the shot of Peter in the web at the end so many times. And that's just because I like that shot. So I don't really, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I really worry about that. Because I don't think that the audience is going to be like, oh, my God, why did he use that shot so many times? I think the only people who would care are me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And half the people were probably eating lunch while they watched, so they didn't even notice. So they didn't even notice. Yeah, Yeah. they they didn't even notice. (laughs) Yeah, I worry a ton about it. I only, I pretty much have a max of showing the same shot twice. Um, And even then, it's got to be for a good reason. Um, I don't, I guess I don't really care about it a ton in other people's videos, but just with me, I... I don't know. I I guess things can feel repetitive and yeah. like it was a joy to edit the Kung Fu Panda video because it was three different movies to have footage to choose from and I didn't have so to worry about which that. movie. And so in that case, when you're showing footage, it can feel like you're picking from a variety of sources and so people, when they watch it, they go, oh wow, there's like a lot of stuff in these movies that I don't remember. Like, you know, when you're kind of bouncing between different scenes throughout all three movies and everything versus... And then you- do you when ever you get show caught? the same stuff over and over, you know, it, it makes people feel like the movie is smaller than they remembered kind of thing. Um, do you ever get caught? Uh, do you ever like catch yourself watching too much of the movie? Because <laughs> I do all the time. All the time. All the time. Yes. Daredevil. When I did my Daredevil oh, video, yeah. you did a Daredevil video yeah. too. So I, I bet you we went through the same thing. Yeah. It's just like, I want to watch this whole scene now. And then you just don't edit. You just watch the scene and you're like, damn. Yeah. Why? Usually my experience is like, especially just with stuff I love, you know, the stuff I praise on the channel, I watch it and I'm like, why the hell am I making a video about this? I should just tell people to go watch it. Like, oh, just I go watch, look right. at it. That's the video I say, go watch the damn movie. Just look at it. Yeah. And that is a thing. Um, that's something that I've had to realize recently as well is <laughs> I've had to realize a lot of things recently, but, um, you've come to a lot of realizations over the course of this episode. And I, I feel like you've had a really big character arc. From- <laughs> this, this episode is my character arc. So yeah, I, one of the things that I've realized is that I will talk about the, um, like a broad concept in the movie and, mm-hmm. Then I'll and I'll show footage of how that applies to the movie over my words. Um, so like in the Kung Fu Panda video, I talk about how um, one of the concepts in the movie is that if you believe that everything has purpose, then everything can have purpose. And so I'll show footage of like Poe over that and how people believed that he had purpose and so he had purpose and that kind of thing. Um, but then in my script, I'll also have a paragraph after that where I explain how it applies to the movie. And it's like, this is repetitive at this point because you've already shown how it applies to the movie through the visuals. Like, Mm -hmm. it's been implied as you were talking about it as a broad concept. And so with this video, actually, I I cut a lot of stuff like that because I was like, oh, it, like people get it already. Like you have to trust the audience that they understand what you're getting at, you know? Yeah, no, I feel that. 
I, I I feel like sometimes I spoon feed a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I, as long as I, my my biggest worry about doing YouTube is I never want it to seem like I'm talking down. You know, so I use, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't write my video essays like, you know, nerd writer who uses a bunch of SAT <laughs> words. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say dude and I swear a lot, you know, and I explain things in the most simplistic, like, like I'm explaining it just to a friend, you know? Yeah. And that's, I'm always so worried that I'm still spoon feeding information. But I think as long as it doesn't come across like I know more right. than the viewer, I'm perfectly satisfied with spoon feeding a little bit no yeah i feel like your videos are some of the most personal and casual feeling for sure and never in a bad way never in a way that makes you feel like you don't know what you're talking about but you you feel like you do you do you ever feel like you don't know what you're talking about because i have that feeling constantly i'm like do i even know what i'm freaking talking about um i i don't know i sometimes like with the breath of the wild video for sure i i was talking about a lot of big kind of overarching imagineering concepts. And I was like, Mm -hmm. does it sound like I even know what I'm talking about? Or does this sound like I'm just using terms that I'm not even familiar with? Which I had to remind myself, I'm like, I do know what I'm talking about with this. Like I've done a lot of research, but like, that's how I feel too. I feel that. Yeah. For me, it's like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's, it's not imposter syndrome because I feel like every creative Mm -hmm. person has that a little bit. Yeah. But it's like, I'm, like, what do I have to offer in the video essay world when people like Lindsay Ellis exist? You oh, know, know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I feel like we all face that challenge. No, that like, is the biggest thing is, <laughs> and again, like the Cosmodor Kung Fu Panda video was the nail in mm-hmm. the coffin for me on that feeling where, you again. You were just like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Because like for three weeks, four weeks, in fact, like I've been, been talking hoping, about it for a while. I have been talking about this video this video was on my list of videos to make when I first started making video essays three years ago. So like so I have wanted a- to make this for a while and I've always felt like I will find like this is a thing that nobody appreciates and I'm going to be like the first guy to talk about it, you know. And so I was really looking forward to having this topic that I could in- reintroduce the world to. You know, and it just so happened, and it right just when so happened up. that he, right when I put it up, you know, somebody somebody else had done that, and again, it's just I don't it's, blame it's him so, at all, but like you know, yeah, yeah, it was a feeling, course. dude. It's just so funny. You got to laugh at it from an outside yeah, perspective. Exactly. That when you when you started to work on it, you know, he didn't upload it a year ago when you were thinking about it. I know, or two right? years ago, he uploaded it the exact month that you planned to upload yours, and hilariously. A month before I tweeted, my biggest anxiety is that someone will make a Kung Fu Panda video before I do. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing um, an Arkham video yeah. at some point soon. And some guy just recently did like these long in, in, in um, detailed game review. I don't know if it was a game review, but it's talking about like the game design element. Yeah. So I was very relieved because I'm just going to talk about the story element. So I right. feel like that's that's where we have to take what, what what can we do differently than these other creators, and that's what we should focus on instead of worrying about like oh someone else did this and it got a million views. Yeah, but yeah, of course we're still going to worry about it. No, yeah, it's it is rough because the video essay landscape. I mean, I started it back when it was mostly just nerd writer and every from painting and Lindsay. Yeah, Ellis you were early, them, man. You know, you- and. Now it is really oversaturated and in some ways that's great because there's a lot of great channels out there, but 
it can be depressing. The most, like, depressing things for me are when I find a channel with, like, 60, 70K or something like that, and they're like, it's another one of these channels. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's... Yeah. I know, I feel that, man. It's, I think, just do... Don't even view it as video essays is what I've been doing more recently. Mm. Uh, just view it as like, oh, these, this is my art and this is what I'm making. And maybe it classifies in the niche of a video essay. Yeah. But like, screw it. I'm still going to do it because that's what I want to do. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that was with, you know, I've been doing these kind of long form retrospectives recently. And I mean, for the past year or so, I've been doing these big kind of videos and I did kind of want want to make those more of my brand because I feel like there's sort of a cinematic quality to them that m- most video essays don't have. And I like that I have like big title cards at the beginning that like say this is the video and like it's like a – it feels comprehensive. Like this is mm-hmm. the big video about this thing, you know, rather than certain video essays like seven-minute, six-minute kind of video essays that feel like they're kind of disposable. Like they're about – like a small portion of this concept versus my videos. I'm trying to make them more like, like I could have made a video essay about the color theory in Kung Fu Panda, but I made a video essay about the entire series of Kung Fu Panda and the color theory is in that, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's good because I, I I mean, I know we're probably both, I'm so sick of titles that are like, I would rather watch a video that's about, the trilogy of Kung Fu Panda than a video called the color theory of Kung Fu Panda, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it can be rough when you find a brand for your channel because then at times you feel pigeonholed. Like, Oh dude, what do you mean? I I am pigeonholed into cape (laughs) shit. I feel you definitely are. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I, I with, I've had to remind myself recently that, oh, yeah, you can still have some fun little videos in between. Like, I did that superhero meme video, and there are times that I'm like, oh, this doesn't even fit with my brand at all. This is so not my content. But I have to go, you need to be okay with doing stuff like that. Like Your brand is you, and that's I think that's the way I look at it, you know? Yeah, So, like, even, even I made that Halloween video, like, a year ago, and nobody watched it, but I was still (laughs) like, you know what? Like, I don't care because it's still me. Yeah. And that's, that's like, that that's what every YouTuber wants to get to, I think, is like the subscriber base where, you know, I could upload a video on under the skin and still manage to get 70,000 views because people are there just to hear me talk and edit and you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's the goal for, I think, I mean, is that your goal too, just to get to a place on YouTube Definitely. where yeah. you can, you can make whatever the hell you want and people will watch it. Yeah. I, I, the, the less I have to worry about what is popular, the better, like the next yes. video I'm going to do is this dark crystal video. And I do well, not think that's going to get right views. Now. Like it's, I, well, I, I mean, looked, the show's popular right now. It's getting buzz. It's getting buzz from critic circles for sure. Um, and from the media, but like. Not from normal people yet, unfortunately, and that's why why I'm trying to kind of popularize it a little bit on my mm-hmm. channel. Um, I haven't watched it yet, so I have no. It idea. is it's a masterpiece. It's so good. Uh, it is so good. Um, it looks it looks like it, that that kind of like puppeteering. Yeah, it, that's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Scares me. Oh, I know. Like it's so creepy to me. Yeah, and that's what so many people say. Are you scared of the Muppets too? Like, does that creep uh, you out? kind of honestly a little (laughs) bit i'm not gonna lie like uh that just like 
I don't know. There's something even like those old claymation. I, were they claymation? Like Rudolph. Yeah. You know, those Christmas specials. Yeah, yeah. That's the little stop drummer motion. boy. Yeah. Yeah. Stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. That's that scares me too. Like I, I, I love it oh. and I appreciate it, but just that style is just unsettling yeah. to me. I don't know that why. It's a weird thing. I, right? I, people say that all the time. I've been talking to more and more people recently who are like, the Muppets scared me as a kid. And I'm like, what? Cause I, yeah. I grew up with the Muppets. I love the Muppets. Like, you show the Muppets. I show <laughs> the Muppets, and it makes me mad that Disney doesn't show the Muppets. There's a yeah, there's a reboot. center for puppetry arts here in Atlanta that I grew mm. up going to like once a month, where they would have little like puppet making workshops for kids and stuff. Like I loved that stuff, and so I was actually never a big Dark Dark Crystal fan, but seeing this, it was still like right up my alley. Um, yeah. And I do think, like, the cool thing about the series is that it embraces the fact that puppets are creepy sometimes. Like, and that was kind of the thing about the original Dark Crystal was Jim Henson always said he wanted it to feel like a Brothers Grimm fairy tale where Mm -hmm. it's a kid's story, but it's got this level of edgy darkness to it. Um, And stuff like the Skeksis, who are like these lizard, raven, raptor kind of monsters, um in the in the show, they really embrace that level at which the puppetry is unsettling and creepy and and just uncomfortable to watch because they are supposed to be <laughs> terrible creepy characters, you know. Yeah, and uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so, good. I I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. But um I don't know, what was I saying? Oh, just just the fact that I don't know if that video is gonna do well. Um but I kinda wanna alternate videos that I know will do well and videos that I just want to make, you know, and hopefully mm-hmm. find a balance between that where I knew the Zelda Disney video was not going to be my biggest video, but I did hope it would do better than it did. Yeah, um, I am, I am shocked that it did that. Yeah. Low but because- you know that sometimes you just have to make stuff that, that you know that you would love and maybe other people will love it. Maybe they won't, you know, that was why I, I hope to follow it up with this Kung Fu Panda video that would do a lot better. Um, and I think it's doing it will. better so far. Yeah, it, it is it's definitely doing better. Um but yeah, so it's I'm I'm trying to alternate that. And I think I'm gonna do a Kiki's delivery service video at some point this year. Um I don't know if that's gonna be big, but maybe I'll alternate that with an endgame video or something. Like I just gotta well, figure you, that you out. You know the endgame video is gonna be big. <laughs> it will be big. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, wait till wait till my Marvel video. Oh, oh my boy. lord. Yeah. Yeah, where I get kicked out of the film hub chat. <laughs> It is hilarious because we disagree on so much with Marvel stuff, but also we agree on like a lot like that like, other people don't same, agree on. Yeah. We ha- we have like similar criticisms, but you, you still love it. Right. Whereas exactly. like I'm bitter about it. And I think that's, that's, and that's cool, man. Like, that's great. I have no problem being the one guy in the film hub chat who didn't <laughs> love Endgame. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, I, I definitely, every criticism you've, said of it I'm like yeah sure you know like I but to me I don't know it's just things that I can put aside um we we definitely have a similar love of phase one like, dude phase one oh, let's go it's so good I, I'm writing I'm writing a script for a marvel video yeah about it, it's it's literally called let me pull it up let me read um why I stopped loving the MCU Ooh. is the title of the video. Yeah. Um, and it's going to take me forever to do. So don't, I'm not, I'm, whoever <laughs> is listening to this, don't expect it like next week or anything. Yeah. 
but I just talk about how great phase one is for the first 10 minutes of the video. Yes, Lord. Yes. I'm just like, even Incredible Hulk is so different from anything that would be Uh made now. I don't even like Incredible Hulk all that much, but like it still is so stylistically different from Iron Man Mm. and Iron Man 2. And those are stylistically different from Thor, which is stylistically different from the first Avenger. Me and And you both love Iron Man 2. We both love the original Thor. Yes. (laughs) Very hot takes. You have the hottest take of all that I'm waiting for that video, dude. Oh, that Iron Man 2 is the best Iron Man movie? And Thor 2 and is, that the Thor best 2 is the best Thor 2 is the best. That is that would get you a million views. I'm insane. Views. Yeah. It I totally gar- would. I guarantee it. Yeah. I Dude, if, if all else fails, just bust out that video and you know, ride the view wave. That's definitely on the list for sure. And that would be something probably that would still um incorporate some personal elements too cuz yeah. I think there's reasons that I love those movies more that are from a personal level and not just an objective level, um, which is I, great. I, I yeah. was watching uh, some of Thor 2 the other day because they re-released all the movies. Well, dude, can I go on a little rant right here? Sure, yeah. <laughs> they they re-released all their movies in 4K, right? All right. the Phase 1 movies. And I yeah. was watching them, and they did DNR on Thor and Iron Man, and I died. What does they that took mean? Out, they took out the film grain. They did digital noise reduction what? to make it look more digital. And I was so insulted. No! That I just thought, Dude, it killed me. I was like, why, Disney? Why do you do this that to me? That sucks, man. And Iron Man 1 looks good still. There's still yeah. film grain there. And if they look they look better than the Blu-rays, but I miss the film grain a right. lot. Yeah. But Thor looks like there's an Instagram filter thrown on. And I love <sighs> the look of the first Thor. And I died. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, what I was going to say before that was Thor 2's shot, I love the way that movie shot. It's shot gorgeously, other than the London stuff. The London yeah, stuff is yeah, pretty boring. For but sure. like the Asgard stuff looks great. Like it's oh, amazing. And the stuff, the stuff where Loki fakes his own death. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, on the planet is just, I love the way they light it. Yeah. It's like, it's like almost underlit. Well, and the incorporation of the visual effects is pretty good in Thor 2 yeah, as well. Yeah. It, I don't have a ton of instances i can easily remember in that movie where something felt like bad cgi like the the elves all are totally practical and the yeah. villain unlike, is practical and unlike the ships look that way yeah oh lord ragnarok is a green screen soundstage movie <laughs> dude that's i i was watching some Endgame behind the scenes yeah and i just died a little bit man i just <laughs> just like there there i i get why and i completely understand and yeah. i always feel bad because like I'm not a I'm a big practical effects guy, as you know from my Twitter ramblings. But, right. Um, I feel bad because so many people probably put so much hard work and effort. Like you can cl- clearly see that. Yeah. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, so they didn't have time to make the time travel suits. Yeah. But but I don't like the fact they're all CG. I would have waited. Like yeah. fuck. Like screw the schedule. Push it back. Why why am I getting floating heads? You know, do you feel like the the time travel suits are, are floating heads? Um, I watched. I know that they are. Like yeah. I saw how they did it, and I know that they are. But I most of the time, they're the, the CG is really good on those suits. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have been able to tell. But there are some shots where I'm like, yeah, that's totally. Now I can see it. Yeah. But but what 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 I really am just not a fan of, and I hope this dies in phase four, is the we're gonna shoot on a green screen background, right? <laughs> Then we're going to blur that background to give the <laughs> illusion of depth of field. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to gray out the whole image so it looks like it's, you know, part right. of the same thing. Yeah. We're going to de The stuff set it. on Earth has to look gray, they said. Oh, dude. 
that, that scene in Endgame, I have this big point in my video where they're in the <laughs> diner, right? Yeah and, yeah. and they're talking to Professor Hulk. And Scott Lang is wearing, guess what? A gray tee, a gray shirt. They are in a gray diner yeah. with gray. Oh, it just, I was just like the Russos and they're gray, man. Yeah. And I think it works for something like Winter Soldier where oh, yeah. it's obviously part of the theme. And that's another, people say that Winter Soldier is poorly shot or some crap. I don't, like, I don't think so. It, I don't think so at all. Yeah. It's, it is deliberately lacking in color, yes, because it's supposed to feel like a political thriller or whatever, but... I love the Russo The actual cinematography held. looks great. Yeah, like, it's very well-framed. That's, that's why I think I think Endgame's the worst-looking Russo Bros Marvel movie. Mm. I, I, I think... I mean, I like the space stuff, and there are some shots, like, on... Um, when they go to get Thanos, yeah. and you have the shot where he's just, like, picking corn, but uh, that's, like, it. all... Uh, yeah. That's all done in post, but... Right. Um, it's just, I feel like when they... In Civil War, the la- was the last time they really did the like handheld Russo style, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Like with the action sequences, and then they did the airport fight, which everyone loved. And from then on out, like a lot of the things were done like the airport fight. I realized. Right. Yeah. And I really just miss like the opening when they have to contain the gas, and you know Wanda causes the <sighs> explosion. I wish I missed the way that it's was so shot. Good. Yeah. And. I've said that before. I think the Russos are really good at comic book naturalism where yeah, yeah. they take something that should be crazy and wild and they make it feel like it exists in a real space and everything. Um, but then I feel like, but when they go to the comic booky stuff is where they're not, you know, yeah. they're, they're no James Gunn or I would even yeah. say Joss Whedon when it comes to that. Well, and I love, um, I mean, yeah, like Infinity War and Endgame both have really impressive looking cosmic stuff, but that's always the stuff that they put in in post. Like the CG shots look amazing. Like the stuff yeah. on Need of a Lear in, uh, in Infinity War and the stuff in the Guardians pod and everything. Like that looks great. But the How much stuff of that's on them Earth. Right. Exactly. That's not the Russos. Um, yeah. And I'm not a Russo Brothers hater. I, I, again, I think they did a great job with Civil War and Winter Soldier and even. I think there's great stuff that they did in both Infinity War and Endgame. Um, but, like, that is a funny thing. People always rag on Civil War for the airport fight being so gray and everything, but they never mention any of the other handheld fights that are, like, really good really in good. Civil War. Yeah. Right. I, I, Dude, I, I just feel like they were... This is maybe a hot take. I knew we'd get into Marvel stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like they were not the men for the job when it came to movies the size of Infinity War and Endgame. Not yeah. that they didn't balance it and super freaking well, and I have the utmost respect for the fact they could have that many characters in a movie and make it work. But I feel like you needed, like Willem said in his video, like he used that quote. Did you watch his Marvel video? Yeah. Yeah, it's Where good. he was like, is it too much to ask a movie that does the impossible to do it with panache? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just... It's just like, this is supposed to be the biggest thing of all time. So why do I feel like all of this is on a soundstage? Yeah. And I I, I just like someone like, I mean, Peter Jackson wouldn't do it, but right. someone like that. Or even like, you know, I feel like I, this is a hot take. I feel like Joss Whedon may have done yeah. a more, a, no, totally. a, a, a job that I would like more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, yeah, I think, again, the Russos were the, I think they were the men for the job in terms of character and in terms of mm-hmm. direction from an acting perspective. Because I, I, I really don't think anybody else could have balanced those characters as well as they did. Um, and 
maybe there's a level of like corporate studio cynicism in that. Like they balanced them in a very like mathematical <laughs> way to make it work or something. Um, yeah. But there is, there are elements that feel passionate. I feel like there's certainly oh, a I lot of humanity in care. there. Yeah. Like the, I, people portray them as these soulless directors. I don't feel like there, any of their movies lack a soul. I definitely no, think no, all of their I movies have a soul. Um, I, I, I think so too. I just feel that. Yeah. They are overwhelmed, especially in Endgame. Like I, I'm a, I think I like Infinity War more than Endgame now that I've rewatched both. I think I do too. Yeah. Um, I just feel like they were tired from shooting Infinity War, <laughs> and like anyone would be. Yeah. And I, I honestly think the biggest flaw with Endgame, like the biggest uh, problem with it, I guess, is I really feel like it should have taken longer to come out. I feel like they should have taken another year yeah. to work on it. And I think we would have got something that would have satisfied the fucking nitpick, the freaking nitpicky uh, son of a guns like me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I do think in terms of CG integration and everything and the way that they shoot stuff, um, they still do the action sequences well. And it like even the final battle in Endgame, I don't, I don't think that feels like a CG soundstage battle. Like, I do feel like it feels tangible rather than something that, like Ragnarok, which I do feel like yeah, feels more right. soundstage where, like, Ragnarok is shot in a very flat way, like, almost where it feels like they shot SNL sketches and then they added mm-hmm. in some some action scenes and stuff. Um, versus Infinity War, they use a lot of green screen, but the camera always is moving through that green screen. Like, it's not like a yeah. flat green backdrop and then people talking in it you know so that's why i do feel like it is more natural than something like ragnarok um for for me it's like where they stage it is like my probably my issue yeah the avengers compound is ugly dude remember when remember whedon's avengers tower how cool (laughs) it was dude i uh like why is the big fight in infinity war take place in wakanda right but it's not wakanda it's yeah. a, just a patch of grass. Because that's where they could shoot in Atlanta, Georgia, my hometown. <laughs> I know. And it's just like, come on, man. I just feel like, okay, you're making something that's literally never been done before. Yeah. Just reach reach for the stars a little bit. And they did in a lot of ways. But I don't know. Films, like we we all know, film's a visual medium. And it's just like, why why not why not stage that action sequence somewhere a little bit more dynamic? Yeah. And Even why. in Guardians, I mean, the, and I feel like the, um, I mean, the action sequences, I have less problems with, with the Russos than I do the dialogue sequences where like, you know, I'm watching Endgame and the first act of Endgame, I think is some of the best stuff the MCU has ever put out. I mean, it's, dude, it's that's character so weird focused. Because, it's yes. amazing. It's yes. emotional. It's taking time and watching these people just be people. It's the wonderful. The pacing's great. The pacing's yeah. great. And but especially dude, the Scott Lang stuff. Lord, it's good. But, but once they hit that second act, that's where <laughs> it loses me, man. Yeah. But even that stuff, even that stuff in the first act is shot in On generic office spaces at the Avengers <laughs> compound. Oh, and man, so it's such a weird duality where I'm watching something and going, this is awesome. Like I, I love these characters. I love what's being said here. I love um, the writing of it, but I'm not visually compelled or (laughs) stimulated. Exactly. Yeah. Like totally. (laughs) That's and then I got remember I like when I saw it, I got so much shit because I said 
I, I love the screenplay. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the way it was like directed. And everyone's like, what do you mean? Do you hate the Russos? And I'm like, no. Yeah. I just mean as a visual medium, I think it's kind of ugly and I'm sorry. Yeah. But I just think that like a movie that size, that budget and that scale shouldn't be as ugly as it is. Yeah. It, it and- truly is crazy at times because it can feel like, especially with Endgame and Infinity War, certain scenes were directed by some directors and other yes. scenes were directed by different ones. Like the scenes that what? stand out for me in, in, or in Endgame, yeah, are like Scott Lang arriving home and seeing all the terrible stuff and meeting oh, his daughter there's, again. There's some visual storytelling there oh, it's with great. the way the camera moves. The yeah. stuff with Hawkeye, the stuff... Um, it feels like Russo. Yeah, it feels like Russo. It feels like the camera is telling the story. I mean, the stuff with Scott Lang is virtually lacking in dialogue. Um, yes, and it's all told visually. It's but all then, told visually. But then something like the Hulk diner scene. Oh, what a dude. boring scene. <laughs> like, why? Why? Why is yeah. it gray? Like, yeah. you could go to some retro diner, right? You could make it look super colorful. You yeah. could add some neon lighting, like, if you wanted to. And that scene in particular doesn't feel like a world post snap it feels like the normal world <laughs> like yeah that, it's like a normal my... diner with normal kids in there it's like this could have taken place five years earlier you know well, we we talked about this when it first came out yeah but that was that was my biggest issue with the whole thing is how much we didn't how much grief mm-hmm. and how much development we didn't see because they had to rush the yeah. story along yeah like i really think it's important that we see tony stark have his kid and get married to Pepper. And I understand why we don't. And I get its dramatic purpose of, you know, surprising the audience by showing them him living on a farm yeah. with a kid. Which was one of my favorite reveals in the movie, for sure. Like, yeah, I was no, like, it's a great oh, reveal. yes. Like, this is it's everything I wanted. Reveal. Yeah. But I wish, I just wish that we saw it. Because we've been tracking this guy for, like, 10 years. Yeah. And I like, okay, him and Pepper finally got married, but we never saw it. He finally had a kid and settled down, but we didn't get to really see it. Right. Yeah, and Hulk is obviously the biggest example of that. Oh, they like literally solved his internal conflict (laughs) off screen. Yeah, and and he literally summarizes it for for the audience. He's like, I put the brawn brawn and the brain together, dude. Why why do the Russos hate Bruce Banner? I don't know. That actually, a lot of people hate Smart Hulk, and I loved him. I thought... I was not a fan. I thought he was more entertaining. I mean... Bruce Banner in Infinity War, I despise. I think he's oh, so yeah. boring. He's just Mark <laughs> Ruffalo being Mark Ruffalo. Dude, he's what not even to the Joss Whedon. I know character? he's not like like the Joss Whedon Bruce Banner is was great, pensive and conflicted, and all and thinking about things constantly and scientific and everything and precise. And the Infinity War Bruce Banner is just a big dork, you know. Um, I liked with Smart Hulk that they embraced that a little bit where he was just the big dork. Like, and yeah. he became, I don't know if I could call him Bruce Banner or Hulk in a in a genuine sense, but he was, he was an entertaining character at least rather I than think, Infinity yeah, War where sure. he's boring, you know? I, I just, like, somehow he got dumber yeah. as the movies progressed. Like, he was so smart, and he was, yeah, like you said, he was, like, the, the quiet, like, there was something in Ruffalo's performance in the first Avengers that yeah. I love so much that I always come back to. And I remember Where, being so impressed by him in the first Avengers, because uh, that was the first yeah, time dude. we saw him, and we didn't uh, know what he was going to be like as a replacement and all that and stuff. He, he just has, like, there's so much acting going on underneath yeah. what he's portraying. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's just gone as soon as Joss left the MCU. It's yeah. like, okay, now he's just Mark Ruffalo goofing around. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we, we can save our Marvel thoughts for a different podcast. <laughs> we can we can Yeah. You'll have to come on and do a exclusively Marvel podcast. We'll just go through every movie and tangent for five hours. Dude, let's do it. I'm gonna get my buddy <laughs> on my podcast that yeah. I just started. Quick plug. Uh uh, I'm going to get my buddy who literally just despises a lot of Marvel <laughs> movies to come and talk to me about it. Just, yeah. just to chat about it. I wanted him to actually do a YouTube series, but I, he would get so much public shit for it. Ugh. That's the thing is like, I really, I, I desire Marvel content that doesn't swing one way or the other. Like that acknowledges the good things and also and acknowledges the bad. the bad. And so that's why I would very much look forward to your video about Endgame and everything. Cause you know, too many times I'll watch a video and it's like the MCU sucks and they're lazy corporate cash grab products and everything. <laughs> and here's why. And I'm like, no, like a lot of them are really good, but I also, I, like I hate watching both. videos where it's everyone sides. says that they're great and perfect and masterpieces, you know, cause I want something that, that I explains both sides of that. I feel like I've lived on a different planet for these <laughs> Infinity War and Endgame movies. When I saw Infinity War, I was underwhelmed. And then I saw Endgame and I was underwhelmed. And I just, for like two months, I, I don't have like depression about it. Yeah. But I just feel like I'm an alien from a distant planet who watched like a different movie than everybody else. Yeah. But yeah, uh, hopefully I deliver in the video because I'm not going to trash it the entire time at all. I'm just right. going to say. Yeah. I'll give you a preview. What I'm basically saying is that I feel like while they've definitely succeeded in everything they set out to do, now is the time in phase four, the, the end point of the video is going to be in phase four. It's time to focus on the actual filmmaking again. Yeah. And not as much as like delivering because they're great at delivering character. Yeah. But could you could you tell the difference in direction really between I mean, visually speaking, between, you know, Far From Home, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Captain Marvel. You <laughs> no, know what I mean? Not at all. Yeah. And that's that's bad, in yeah. my opinion. That's, like, dangerous for no, the medium. Totally. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's time with Phase 4, and they, they have all these crazy ideas. You know, a Doctor Strange horror movie sounds right up my alley. Duh, yes. But, like, is it gonna be a Scott Derrickson sinister-style Doctor right, Strange exactly. horror movie? I remember him it- saying that, like, I remember back in, like, 2015, 2014, them saying Doctor Strange would be the first scary MCU movie. Like, and it wasn't And it was not. All. Yeah, so, it was an, it was know, an MCU but movie. But I have high hopes, for Me sure. Me too, man. I just really hope it's time to, like, I, that, that rumor that um, the director of Eternals is going to shoot it on 8 millimeters, Ugh, some of it. Yes. Like, I don't believe it. Like, I really don't <laughs> believe, like... After watching, like I just said, Captain Marvel Far From Home and yeah. uh, Ant-Man 2, I'm like, will they let her shoot on 8mm? Right. Like, will, will that happen? It definitely, even just reading the titles for all of these new Phase 4 properties, like, they do feel like a new era of the MCU. Like, this is and a new I direction, hope. and I hope that the filmmaking reflects that, for sure. Me too, man. That's when I hope I can chill back, I can become yeah. back, come back to the stand club Yeah, like I used to be. Yeah. But dude, the fact that they did DNR digital noise reduction and took sure. out the film grain doesn't doesn't reassure me of anything. Right. Exactly. And it's funny because Kevin Feige, I I know he's gotta be aware of all of this. Like Yes, dude. I was watching for my video, I was researching and I found a clip from Iron Man where yeah. he literally says, I love practical effects. And I'm like, yeah. Kevin, 
what happened, bro? Yeah. He was like, yeah, we can do a lot in CG, but I love just having a real car explode or have the real fire in the first Iron Man. And out of, I I actually got to interview the head of visual effects for Marvel. uh, Yeah, you told me. Chris Townsend, uh, like a month ago. Um, And he was very passionate. Like he was someone who cared a lot. And so I never feel like, People like him and people like Kevin Feige are just corporate shills who only care about products and everything. Obviously, There's their main some... goal is to make money. But yeah, that's every movie's goal. Exactly. I I feel like especially with Feige, he is a fanboy. He is someone who cares. He knows all this stuff. And I just I wonder what his thought presses process is well, on lots of it. Like I just sent you, you know, he... his notes for Amazing Spider-Man 2 when he when that um yeah. Like all those then, Sony leaks came out and yeah. he had given them notes and all of his notes were like so spot on. It was like, yeah, like so he Spider-Man. knows what's going on, you know, and what a bad then, movie looks like. But it's just weird. But like, I just don't understand how he could, as a guy, he like worked on the Raimi movies, right? Mm. He's like in the behind the scenes of all three. So he watched them make those. Yeah. And I just don't know how he could like watch Far From Home and be like, yeah, we took the working class superhero. And made him like a rich kid's protege. And like, I, I just wonder, like, he has to know that that's what it is, you know? Yeah. And I guess, of course, he knows that the audience, like the bulk of the audience is loving it. Yeah. But it just seems like, I wonder if he has some sleepless nights about where they're at right now, at least on the filmmaking side. I mean, in his pile of billions of dollars, <laughs> I wonder if he has yeah. some thoughts. I reckon, I would assume with Spider-Man that he probably just sees it as a new vision of the character. Um, And that's probably how he justifies it in his mind is like, you know, we're doing something new. We're going in a new direction with this, you know, rather than trying to emulate something that's already been done. I get that. Yeah, like I get it. Like, But also, also they they gentrified (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a whisper but do you do you agree with that statement because I, I i have thought about it and i've read a few articles and i'm like yeah they kind of did yeah i i would agree with that far from home has not sat well with me after <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you're happy about that <laughs> dude yeah. i did a debate with a guy um my buddy jay and johnny on the Lone yeah Tennis i remember podcast, that yeah and now he texted me saying yeah i actually don't like it that much anymore <laughs> He was like, it's definitely not like, I feel like I, I, I appreciate homecoming more now. And I was like, right, me too. Yeah. After far from home, I definitely appreciate homecoming more. Yeah. I, I still really enjoy homecoming and far from home. Um, I think they're a good new vision of the character, but they're not Spider-Man movies. Um, at all. And thank you. Thank after you seeing it. something like, I mean, after getting such rich Spider-Man content in Spider-Verse and in, PS4. The PS4 game, it's like, this is what Spider-Man looks like. And so in a way, like, I can't be super mad about it because we got Spider-Verse and we got the PS4 game. And so it's like, we're getting all these different interpretations of the character. And I think that's cool. But I think so, too. Like, it definitely, I'm just when worried. you look at it as a Spider-Man product, you realize what it is lacking compared to those things. I, I My big thing is like, this is going to sound so pretentious, you know, and like preachy. Yeah. But my big, my big thing is like, I don't like, I'm afraid for like the kids who are growing up now and idolize this Spider-Man. Yeah. That they're definitely not getting the same important life lessons that like the Raimi movies taught, you know? Yeah. Or even like, even the, 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 the bad, bad, bad. I mean, you like Tasm too, but like, I, I'm not a fan. Yeah. But Tasm 2 has scenes where Aunt May is like, hey, I have to work two jobs to put you through college. Yeah. 
And it's just like, why are we not tackling this? I get we've seen it before, but like that's what Spider-Man is, is relatable to, you know, lower middle class people, poor people. Right. And and yeah. now like what, what's the lesson that we get from far from home that like be your own man and not your billionaire father figure? <laughs> yeah. It's just it just scares me, man. Yeah. I just hope that like whatever Sony or Disney or whoever the hell gets the rights back or whatever. I just hope that they, you know, start making movies about the, you know, the poor kid from Queens. Right. Well, and it is interesting because I was started that way. I was back watching. I was going back and watching the ending of Far From Home recently, the, that final swing and everything. And it was kind of fascinating because it almost feels like a new beginning for the character at the end of that movie. Like it feels like they've yeah. almost <laughs> it's not like a reboot, but it's like they've hit reset on him and like it's like all right now this is spider-man begins like now he's really spider-man you know and that's what i thought at the end of homecoming yeah exactly i I don't i don't know where they're going because when i saw homecoming what my initial defense of it was which is still sort of my defense was these movies can be about peter becoming spider-man like yeah you know it's about him it's it's he doesn't have to be the classic comic book swinging through Manhattan Spider-Man in the first movie. Like, it can be a, a journey. And maybe, you know, after a few more movies, he'll be middle-aged Spider-Man or whatever. Like, you know, college student Spider-Man, and it'll be more quintessential comic book. But yeah. we can evolve and and build to that. Um, but then but far after from Far From Home, <laughs> I don't... Right, I don't know if that really is their goal. And I don't think it is, you know. That, that, was, that was my thing. Uh, I just really wanted... I think I would have... I, if Far From Home would have been, quote unquote, a good Spider-Man movie yeah, um, or moved more in that direction, yeah, I would have been like, OK, that's actually what they had planned all along. And now I can like say that I appreciate Homecoming more, even though I still don't love it, but I appreciate it more because it's at the beginning of an arc. Yeah. But then Far From Home takes that like sharp left turn and is like, nah. Yeah. But I mean, hashtag bring Raimi back. <laughs> that's can you imagine if Dude. they just made Spider-Man 4 with Raimi just I, all of I, a sudden? What if, like I, what if? I think that it's more likely now than ever with the state of the movie rights and yeah. all that. Yeah. That they they are definitely someone in the office has thrown out that idea. I don't know how far it got. Yeah. But someone has been like, "Hey, why don't we get Sam back?" You would just have to bank it on I mean, you'd have to pull the the Peter Parker in Spider-Verse approach where you would yes, bank it on 100%. him being older and this is the Spider-Man that people grew up with but as a middle-aged man and it's Dude, like the, oh my god it'd yeah. be so good 10 it'd years so later good. sequel kind of thing and from watching like from doing my deep deep research into the Raimi movies yeah for these videos they were like a close-knit family the last thing Tobey Maguire says on the Spider-Man 3 uh, commentary, which I'm going to put in the video, <laughs> is the these movies were ours for years and now they're yours, and it's so <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, but it's just I know that if like they got Sam back, I know that they would get Toby back and they'd get Kirsten back and they'd even get Franco back, yeah. just because the way that everyone loved making those. Oh my god! Don't get me started. Yeah, dude, sit down in the theater. The Danny Elfman theme <laughs> plays. I just Lord. die. Yeah, I do think. Like, after seeing Spider-Verse, I was like, what are the odds that we get a sequel where Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland are all in it? I Dude, And that, it. like, Let's... that's almost like a, 
who framed Roger Rabbit level of corporate synergy that may never happen, but imagine. like, Dude, I, I think it could happen, man. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Garfield, probably not Garfield back, but I mean, yeah. after after those, what happened to him when he got fucking <laughs> fired for, uh, did you read about all that? Oh, I th- I think so. Dude, yeah. He got but, fired because he didn't go to some Sony conference because he was like super annoyed with the way the movie turned out. Oh, uh, right. And was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the head of Sony was like, "He's done." <laughs> Lord, yeah, you yeah, gotta feel bad for the guy. And I, he, I, I think that would be another thing actor. that I would be pretty intrigued to see would be Tasm Three. Like, yeah, dude, I would know? see it. I, I would be more excited to see Tasm Three or Spider Man Four than I would to see Tommy yeah. Boy Holland's Spider Man Three. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people would, too. I mean, I know, like, I, I just think that the, the Raimi movies are still so loved, clearly. Like, all the memes every day and stuff. That right. There's definitely an audience. I think that movie, if they made Spider-Man Ford, makes so much money at the box office just from nostalgia alone. Yeah. I I do feel like, you know, I still love the Raimi movies, and I grew up with them. They were my first superhero movies, and... I know people who love them. And on the internet, I feel like they've got a lot of love. Um, In the mainstream, like with normal people who aren't online and everything, I definitely feel like post-Garfield and post-Holland, they have a reputation of crybaby Peter Parker and dorky humor and cheesy stuff. You know, like most people I talk to think of them that way. And it sucks to hear that. That hurts me, dude. Yeah, but like... You just just made my day worse. I know, right? I'm leaving it (laughs) off. Dude, but, like, like, I don't know. I don't know what is indicative and what's just a bubble that I've encountered. But, like, I think the internet like, and real life can be very different in terms of different what people, people think. Yeah. I think most of, like, the film people I've talked to, yeah. you super, you know, the film people. <laughs> the cinephiles like, you've talked to. The cinephiles, they're <laughs> like, yeah, man, those movies are the best. Yeah. Just because, like, just the filmmaking on display in all three of those is so advanced for the time. Right. And it's, it's even, like, I would, like, Look at Far From Home, then look at Spider-Man 2, and just, like, could you believe that Far From Home's, like, the newer movie? Yeah. Far From you know Home I mean? is a great TV movie. It's a great Disney Channel original, and yeah. Spider-Man 2 looks like a film. Yeah. And it's just weird how we've regressed in that way. Did you watch the uh, Pretty Much It commentaries on the Raimi movies? Yes, dude, oh, I love that. That was so funny. That was hilarious to watch them... They were Realize. watching that as they were they were expecting it to be bad and like they had grown up and, and now they would revisit it and be like, oh, this wasn't as good as I thought. But then they watched it and they're like, oh, this is better than I remember. <laughs> like, yeah, this is literally like, oh, my God. They even say that. They're like, oh, this is a film. Right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it is like that's that's crazy. It's yeah. like a classical film. Yeah. All right, we've. We've been going for an hour and forty. We, we ran on that have. Marvel rant, I and think, I don't want—I don't want to keep talking. I don't want to keep going, <laughs> keeping wasting people's times. There's basically going to be two halves to this podcast. It's going to be the video essay half and the the, the superhero crap half. The superhero <laughs> crap. Well, that's that's what everyone's going to click to see us talk exactly. about anyway. If you yeah, have my name in I'll the title. Put in the time codes. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's this was really fun. It was great yeah, to have dude. a first guest on, and you know, I think we think similarly on a ton of stuff and then even when we think different differently we like totally get what the other is thinking about yeah it's not it's not i don't so, think we disagreed one i mean we disagree on some things but like yeah. we both are we just see things differently yeah 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 and that's cool man that's yeah. good it's not like it's not like bailey right screw that guy no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah 
Well, cool. Well, plug your channel. Tell people where they can find it and everything like you do at the end of podcasts. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at High Top Films and on Twitter at High Top Films. There you and go. I have, a, oh, I have a Spotify podcast and an Apple oh, yeah. podcast called The High Top Cast. One episode so far. But you can find that probably on the same places that you're listening to this. You get a podcast and you get a podcast, you get a podcast. and you get a podcast. <laughs> I heard I saw a tweet the other day that was like a group of white men is called a podcast. Like, that is that's hilarious, yeah. <laughs> and that is one hundred percent true. We are very much playing into that stereotype, but it's yes. what we do. Yep, call we are it, nothing if the- not self-aware, and yet also continuing to do the things that we are falling into stereotypes about. The Film Hub podcast is just basically the Wonder Bread <laughs> podcast, pretty much, <laughs> Lord. But yeah, it's I do enjoy. You know, Film Hub has been fun, and I enjoy those live streams. But I. I enjoy more conversations like this where it's a one-on-one kind of discussion because instead of seven people, right? Talking. You you get <laughs> almost on edge, like trying to figure out when you're gonna say your piece in a, in a live stream with seven people. You know, like and I, it's hard. I yeah, I get I get so nervous on those too because it's like I, I hate I don't hate them because I do them. No offense, yeah. Johnny the Lone Chemist, if you're listening, but I am not a fan of being on video for a podcast. Yeah. But so this is nice and chill. I'm just sitting it here is. with my mug of water. Okay, you can end the show now. Stop <laughs> freaking talking. All right. So if you guys want to find me on Twitter, it's at BlockbustedPod. But you probably came here from Twitter anyway, so you know that. Um, uh, I'm hopefully going to have more episodes of this podcast out on a weekly-ish basis. You know how that stuff goes. I'm going to Disney World next week, so not next week. <laughs> Ooh, but um, in the future... Probably guests like Loverboy Media and films and stuff. And hopefully someone like Patrick Willems or some of our bigger acquaintances who would be fun to talk to. Um, so, yeah, that would be great. And can't wait to see what's next. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. It was, it was really fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>